Well, praise the Lord. I hope nobody... Well, you had to have been here last Sunday to get what I'm about to say. But I hope nobody was drawn away from your place on the wall into the valley of, oh, no. Now, the folks that weren't here last Sunday are like, what? What is he talking about? We're in the story of Nehemiah, the building project of the walls of Jerusalem. And the devil came to him to tempt him and said, come and let us meet in the valley of, oh, no. Trying to distract Nehemiah from what God had called him to do. And I love Nehemiah 6 verse 3. He, he responds like this to the enemy. I'm carrying on a great work. And I cannot go down. Why should the work of God stop while I leave it and go down to you? Such a powerful spiritual warfare principle is that. I am not going to abandon my place. I'm not going to turn my back. I'm not going to take time off. I'm not going to disconnect from community. I'm not just because I'm going through something, just because the devil is raging all around me. I'm going to stay at it. I'm going to stay at my place in the kingdom. I'm not going to let what God's called me to do to stop, to meet the devil in the place of, oh, no. And that's right in the scripture. Well, you saw it. Did you see that? Well, anyway, if you didn't, it's Nehemiah. It's, it's the place, it's the plain, the valley of, oh, no. And if you, if you, if you accept the devil's invitation to go to the valley of, oh, no, I mean, it's going to be, oh, no, for you. Don't believe it. Hallelujah. And I know you all heard that last Sunday, but don't believe it. But, but, but the, day, the enemy is, and, and the devil's raging all around us. Again, I've made this point, but I, I want to make sure we, we, we understand why sin is raging, why darkness seems to be increasing. The devil's time is running out. He knows it again. He can read. He reads the Bible. He knows whatever God has ever said is going to happen. If anybody knows it's going to happen, Satan, who used to be the archangel Lucifer, knows that it's going to happen. That if God said it, it's going to be that way. So he's raging as he knows. In some of the discourse that Jesus had as he was preparing for the cross, Jesus even said then, Satan knows that his end has been sealed. His end has been determined and has been set by the Father. And that is true, it has. And he knows that. So he's raging all around us. Just like with Nehemiah. I mean, if, if I believe if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in any book or chapters of the Bible, I, I see us more than ever before in the book of Nehemiah, because the devil came at him this way, and they're threatening him that way, and accusing him that way, and mocking him that way, and the devil just kept trying every possible strategy and tactic. We read that last Sunday. Four times they sent to me. This is Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 4. Four times they sent to me the same message, and each time Nehemiah said, I gave him the same answer. I'm not going to come down. I'm not fooling with you. Then the fifth time, look at verse 5. I don't think I read that last Sunday. Sanballat, one of those enemy leaders, sent his aid to me with the same message. But in his hand was an unsealed letter. Uh-oh. Now they've, now they've got it. They're writing. Now they've got him. They're going to bring him a letter. Verse 6, in which was written, it is reported among the nations. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had anybody 
say something like this to you. Everybody is saying blank. (laughs) You know, everybody thinks blank. (laughs) And the devil is going to always exaggerate. I mean, after all, he's the liar of all liars that Jesus said was the father of all lies, and there's no truth in him. So now they've exaggerated it. Everybody's saying. Geshem says it is true that you, in verse 6, and the Jews are plotting to revolt. Uh Uh-oh, now they're plotting an insurrection. And therefore you're building this wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. Oh, look how far the devil's going with all these accusations. Now he's accusing Nehemiah. He's just setting himself up to be a king. And And have even appointed prophets that are going to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, we better meet together in, oh no. And Nehemiah says this in verse 8. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is even happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Wasn't moved one bit. They were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get weak for the work and it'll not be completed. Again, we'll get fear. We'll get them with fear if we don't get them with anything else. But look what Nehemiah prayed, just a short four-word prayer to God. Now strengthen my hands. Wow. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deleah, the son of... Oh, I don't even know how to say all these names. We don't need them anyway. They're enemies. Who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God. Oh, look at this now. Well, we can't get Nehemiah to meet him. Oh, no. We'll just invite him. He'll surely come into the temple. See, the temple had been rebuilt already. Surely he'll come in. We'll just have a meeting at church. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors. Because because Nehemiah, you'll be safe. Their men are coming to kill you. (laughs) By night, they're going to come to kill you. But I said, man, I love Nehemiah's resolve. Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Verse 12, I realized that God had not sent them, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat, the two leaders of this anti-wall-building movement, had hired him. He'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they, then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember them, my enemies, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Nodiah and how she and the rest of the prophets, mm, had, Satan had infiltrated the prophetic camp. And the prophets trying to intimidate me. Wow. There's so much in this. I'm I'm going to try to get through it and keep going. No matter how many times the devil invites you to meet him in, oh no. No matter how many times he says to you, did God really say? You still believe God heals? You still believe... He can forgive him or her. You think he can break the addiction off of him, break the addiction off. You still believe God hears your, you still believe your prayers even matter. You still believe that he even knows where you're at. 
How many times even the pain in your own body will rise up and mock your faith? No matter how many times you're tempted to abandon your place on the wall, be like Nehemiah and give the devil the same answer each time. I'm involved in a great work. I'm a part of the kingdom. I have a seat at the master's table and I will not come down. Why should the building of the kingdom, why should the purpose of God in my life stop in order for me to have a meeting with the devil? Hallelujah. I'm not going to do it. I know I'm talking to somebody today and you need to take a stand right now that the devil is not going to draw you away. He's not going to entice you away, tempt you away, manipulate you away from your place at the wall, from your place of service, from your place of victory, from your purpose in God. Devil, understand something right now. I'm doing a good work for God. And why should that work stop so that I can meet with you in, oh no, it's not going to happen. And by the way, that is my story and I'm sticking with it. Hallelujah. Nehemiah understood early on in this project that if he committed himself to God's kingdom, God would be committed to his. You've heard me say that many times over 30 years. If he built God's house first, God would build his. And all the people, that remnant around him, quickly learned the same. Man, I believe, I've come to believe, I've come to believe in studying this again that Nehemiah, his life, his mission, his faith, is one of the greatest examples of what it means to persevere in all of Scripture. Because, man, he had to push through daily. I want to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 10. Some of this that I'm about to read to you is literal for the family of God in other parts of the world. Literal for some of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. Hebrews 10 verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted, look at this, the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. Folks, I don't know about you, but I see daily reports of this happening in some of the nations of the world. Pastors being arrested. Church buildings being not just shut down, but torn down. Christians being attacked. Their homes burned. Their, 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 their lives taken, if you will. In other parts of the world. Whatever you do in your Christian walk. We live in America, yes, but please do not limit your Christianity and your understanding of faith to an American view. This is a worldwide, universal thing, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray we don't ever face literally these kinds of things I just read here, but we, there, is though, there are those in the body of Christ who are. And then look what 
The writer of Hebrews goes on to say in verse 35, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Now again, you know, I pray, Holy Spirit, give us the, give us the fullness of that because I haven't had my house seized. I haven't had my church torn down. I haven't had my, me and my family be arrested and or uh, tortured or imprisoned. I haven't had any of that happen, but I still want to be determined to never throw away my confidence and know that it will be richly rewarded. But imagine what that means to those literally suffering through these things. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. And then verse 37 just ties it all up. There's there's the urgency for in just a little while, He who is coming will come. And will not delay. Man, you talk about sticking to your story of faith when literally you're being arrested, imprisoned, falsely charged, your church torn down, blown up, burned down, families, members of your own congregation being attacked, some being murdered. What this means, hold on to your testimony. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Unfortunately, there's a lot of the a lot of the element, a lot of groups within the larger group called the Church, capital C in America, that have begun to throw away their confidence in the purity of the gospel. They've begun to throw away their confidence in standing up for truth. Well, Some are saying, well, okay, okay. We'll go ahead and marry two women. We'll go ahead and marry two men. I'm talking about leadership of movements. Christian, historically true to the gospel, evangelical Christian groups. Well, you know what? (laughs) You know, we see the changes in our nation and so... All right, if the pastor says he's gay, that's okay. We'll go ahead and have him be our pastor. Or she, the priest, the bishop, the whoever, she's gay. Well, she loves another one. That's all right. God still includes, accepts, it's okay. Evangelicals for pro-choice. What in the world? Where does it? Spawned in hell, this kind of evil. Evangelicals, now, well, you know, we, we affirm the woman, we affirm her rights, we affirm, you know, we, we'll, 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 it's okay then. Let them, if they decide to get an abortion, okay, well, we're, we're evangelicals for choice. God, help us. And because we've begun to change, our Judeo-Christian story. The hand of the blessing of God continues to be lifted off of this country, unfortunately. That's the reality of it. Well, the little boy says he feels like a girl. So we don't want to make him feel bad. He may only be eight years old. We'll let him go into the girl's bathroom. We'll let... Or maybe he's 16 or 17. 
We'll let him go into the girls' locker room and take a shower. At the, at, we don't want to make him. And so now we have the audacity. You see, the arrogance of sin. It knows no bounds. It knows no limits. And so now we have the arrogance of saying, huh, male and female? Nah, we, we, we decide there's, not, there's no such thing as just male and female anymore. How much further is this going to go? Only God knows. And what do we do? We cry out for His mercy like never before. Because we decided to come down off the wall as a nation and meet with the devil in the valley of oh no. And we're still in the valley of oh no trying to negotiate with the devil as a nation. We changed our story concerning prayer in public places a long time ago. We changed our story concerning holy matrimony between a man and a woman. We changed our story concerning the sanctity of human life. We changed our story concerning God's design for sexuality. We changed our story concerning what is good and what is evil. And thus I believe America is in the valley of oh no, trying to negotiate with the devil. But I know I can tell you this today. I've come too far in the faith to change my story now. I've believed far too long to stop believing God now. I'm closer now than when I first believed. And as far as I'm concerned, the devil's voice is nothing more than blah, 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 blah in my ear. Jesus is my way. Jesus is my truth. And Jesus is still my life. That's my story. And I'm sticking with it. I'm not sure who else needs to hear this today. But if you say you're trusting God when times are good... You better stick to your story when times are bad. If you say you believe he answers prayer while you're holding a healing in your hand, you better stick to your story when the healing hasn't come. Nehemiah's enemies tried to frighten him, discourage him, intimidate him. They laughed at him. They despised him for his faith. They used multiple strategies to draw him away from the wall. They mocked him and invited him over and over again to change his story. But he stood his ground. My friend, God's word is clear. We overcome. We are victorious by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our story. The word of our testimony. Loving not this temporary life even unto death. I mean, the power of life and death for you and I is in our mouth, is on our lips. The blood of the Lamb, I'm under the blood of Jesus, and the word of your testimony. So I'm asking you today, what's your story? What is the testimony your life is telling? Most of us are familiar enough with a courtroom, a court of law, To understand the three main uh, players in the court of law are the judge. And for us, that's the father himself, Father God. The defense attorney, the advocate, who who is that for us? Jesus. And the prosecutor is none other than who? The devil. And if you see the witness go to the stand and 
The defense attorney, of course, that's Jesus. Tell us who you are. Tell us about what happened. Tell us what you saw and heard. And that witness gives the testimony of his faith and the faithfulness of God and, and the purpose of God in his life and the blessings of God and how God... And then, of course, the defense, there's no further questions, then who's up? The prosecuting attorney comes up. The devil himself. And the devil is going to go back over the same thing again and again and again and again. He's going to cross-examine to see if this witness, to see if this son of God, this daughter of God, will stick to their story. Because here's the thing in a, in a, in a trial, in a case, if either side can get the witness to what? Change the story by badgering them, accusing, did God really say? How long have you been? You still believe in healing? You're taking pills for that, aren't you? But you say, you, yes, I do. You believe God directed you, that he spoke. You believe God really knows where. You believe, you still believe he hears your prayer. You, do you have unanswered prayers? I do. But you believe, and the devil just comes at a witness like this and like this and like this and you've got to stand your ground because if you change your story have you ever seen where the witnesses just start sweating some of them break down into tears and that prosecutor's like I've got them they're right on the verge if they just change one line if I get them to change this one line of their story I've got it the whole case is going to turn against them don't be fooled yeah, the devil will try to put you on the stand. That's all right. Know what your story is. Know your testimony of your faith. Don't be moved by anything the devil comes to accuse you with. Stick to your story. Hallelujah. And I decided a long time ago that his story, my testimony of his grace in my life, would never be up for question, not even by the devil himself. You see, I know who changed me from the inside out. I know who provides my daily bread. I know who gives me peace in a pandemic. I know who hears me when I cry. I know who fills me when I'm empty. I know who never leaves me and never forsakes me. I know who gives me my very breath. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. Hallelujah. I said, I know who's written my name in the very palm of his hand. I know who stopped that car from crashing head on into me. I know who restored my health back to, uh, from COVID-19. I know who gives me a song even when the storm is raging around me. I know who gives me living water when I pass through desert places. I know who gives me strength in my weakness. I know who hides me under the shadow of his wing in times of trouble. I know who loves me unconditionally. I know who is my ever-present help in time of need. Oh, my friend, I hope you know him like I know him. That is my story, and I'm sticking with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I said, I still know him whom I have believed in. And I'm still persuaded. Do I have any more witnesses? I'm still persuaded that he is still able to still keep that which I have still committed unto him against that day, the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. All I'm trying to say, hold fast to your profession of faith. Hold fast to your testimony, to your story, without wavering. And you shall soon be greatly rewarded. And you know what? We've got his word. We've got his word on it. I said, we've got his word on it. My God said out of his own mouth, I am the Lord who heals you. When it comes to my theology of healing... That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I will continue to pray the prayer of faith for everyone who needs healing, and I will continue to expect God to heal them. That's my story on healing. God said he promised he would show himself strong to those who just simply say, Here I am, Lord Use me, send me, fill me. Use me for your glory. I still believe the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. The latter reigns. Oh, the prayers of the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us shall merge with the prayers of the saints of today. And the latter rain and the former rain, the glory of the Lord is going to cover this earth even as the waters cover the sea, even as darkness and gross darkness is sweeping across the land. His glory, His grace is greater still. As I hear, I hear, I still hear God saying, I am that I am in this hour. I'm not just the God of I was. I'm not just the God of I used to. I'm not just the God of I have done. I'm not just the God of I can. I'm not the God of I will. I'm not the God of I did. I'm not the God of could be, might be, should be. You're serving the God who is still the I am that I am. He says, I am an ever-present help in your time of need. I am with you. I am there with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you while the fever is still raging in your body. I'm with you while you don't know how, where your new job is coming from. I'm with you as you stand in the gap for others that are sick. I'm with you. I'm ever-present help in your time of need. My friend, hold fast. Don't come down from the wall. No matter what the devil says, no matter what he throws at you, because remember, for those that stay on the wall, our God will fight for us. Hallelujah. He will fight for us and we will have the victory. Hold fast to your story. This is not the time to change your story. Every time I read of some Christian leader, some faith leader releasing that they've changed their story on some historical, eternal truth of God's word, it just wrenches my heart. We're not going to change our story. You see, 
Maybe I said this. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. What if COVID-19 doesn't ever go away? We don't know. I'm praying for God to kill this plague, to end this plague once and for all. But I also know if this plague and this virus never goes away, and this continues to be our life, masks and don't touch each other six feet apart, you know, etc. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. He's with us to keep us, to strengthen us. We will persevere because he that began a good work in your life shall perform it, shall perform it until the day of the Lord. Be encouraged today, saints. Be an encourager of others to turn their heart and life to Jesus. This is the great time of a great harvest that's about to sweep across this land and around the world before Jesus comes back again. Hundreds of thousands, some of your sons and daughters, those that you love and know and pray for, God's going to sweep them into his kingdom. He's going to sweep them into his house. They're going to be restored, saved, delivered, set free to know him and to be in heaven. Don't be drawn away from your assignment. Don't be drawn away from your God purpose just because you're going through something. Because I want to tell you something. God is the God who gives promises. He just doesn't give timelines. The promises of God, though, also have no expiration date. <clears throat> Some of his promises cross generations. The sacrifices of one generation become the blessings of the next generation. And that's true historically. That's true spiritually. Time doesn't allow me to give examples, but you can think of your own because you know that's a true statement. The, the sacrifices of one generation translate into the blessings of the next. The prophecies of one generation become the realities of the next. Even the prayers of the saints of yesterday live on in heaven until they're answered. Starting with Jesus himself. Because the prayer of Jesus in John 17 has yet to be answered. Make them one. Man, if the church in America, well, mo mo the church in the whole world, I would say, if we're not anything, we're not one. We're not unified. Jesus prayed we would be one, we would be unified, we'd be one with the Father. And I have a feeling the prayer request of Jesus is going to be answered. Revelation 8, 3 and 4, I just want to give you this. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, look at this, with the prayers of all God's people. All of the living God's people? All God's people. I believe that's from the beginning to right now. All God's people. 
whether still walking on this earth or in heaven, the prayers of all of God's people. All means all, doesn't it? All is all. The prayers of God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne, verse 4, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Many times a promise of God will outlive one generation and carry into the next. The great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 tells us all about that. Some got their miracle in their temporary years on earth. Some did not. But all, whether they receive the miraculous deliverance or not, are commended the same for their faith. They're commended the same. That great cloud of witnesses, (laughs) we join with them to see the fulfillment of the promise of God so that in that fulfillment, we, they, become completed. See, let me just read that in, in Hebrews 11, just verse 39, the last verse of the chapter. These were all commended for their faith, and he just talked about that. I gave you the real short version. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Verse 40, since God had planned something better for us, So that only together with us, you see that generate the the promises weren't met. They carry on, they pass on to the next generation. The the generations die and go on to heaven. He says, so that God had something better for us, so that only together with us would they all be made complete or perfect. So I thank God that intercessions of years gone by. We will reap and walk in the benefit of that as we join those cries for intercession. And as we participate in that, there's something supernatural that happens. You know, in the natural world, in the physical world, in the mathematical world, one plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. But that's not the case for us as people of faith. Because when two or more of us combine our prayers, our our anointings, our testimonies, power is multiplied, not just added. So God so loves unity and agreement that he created a phenomenon, honestly, through which power multiplies if we will simply work together, pray together, worship together, serve together. Something called synergy. A synergy takes place. You see, it's Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8. says this, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand. What kind of math is that? Uh, At that, I mean, a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemy shall fall. It said, before you and before your sword. Now, spiritually, that's a powerful thing. Mathematically, that makes no sense at all. Because here's the math. If, think about it. If five can chase a hundred, let's do the math, that means each of us is responsible for 20. At that rate, a hundred should chase 2,000, not 10,000. 
but not with God. <laughs> because something supernatural happens as we come into agreement and there is this synergy that takes place when we agree in prayer. Power grows. Power is multiplied. I believe when we agree in praise, power is multiplied. When we agree in serving and giving, power is multiplied. Syn a synergy occurs when we, I believe, connect, as Hebrews just talked about, with the generations that have gone before us. When we connect in the Spirit with the great cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. You see, folks, personal victory is a wonderful thing. But through spiritual synergy, we have group victory, group deliverance, group healing, group prosperity. And man, I'm, the day... The day is coming. We're going to have such a synergy in the spirit that the sick person will come through the front door of this building and they get healed. The, the addicted come in, the addiction breaks off of them. The depressed come in, the depression breaks off of them. The sinner comes in and great conviction falls upon them and they run down here to find an altar to cry out for God to save them. It's coming in the name of Jesus. It's coming. Hallelujah. It's coming. So church, let's stick together. Let's stick with one another. And whatever you do, stick to your own story in these turbulent times. Because Nehemiah's story ends chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, which was in 52 Days. Now, folks, have you seen pictures of Jerusalem? It's a big, big place. The walls around that city were done, uh, you know, about all these walls being built. Those walls were done in 52 days because the people had a mind to work. There was a synergy in the spirit that began to happen. God fought their battles. God strengthened them. God refreshed and renewed them. And the work was done. So my friend, don't change your story. Stay at your place on the wall. The reward for us is going to be great if we faint not. And it's coming soon. Soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. And when he comes, he comes with his rewards for us in his hand. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for synergy that happens as we pray together, worship together, serve together, give together, believe and petition you together. Thank you, Lord, for supernatural multiplication. Hallelujah, that happens. We believe you, Father. Now, Lord, don't let anybody in this room be drawn from the wall, drawn from their purpose to meet the devil in, oh, no. I'm doing a great thing. God is using my life. He is speaking his word to me. I'm not going to come down and get tied up with you. Why should God's purpose in my life be put on hold while I meet with the devil? The devil is a liar. Lord, we're not changing our story now, not as a church, not as a pastor, not as just a man who loves God and knows you, Lord. I'm not changing my story because for those who persevere, there's a great reward coming. Hallelujah. We're going to see the hand of God like we've never seen before. Reach into our situation and turn it around. Turn it around. Thank you, Father. So to the devil we say, as Nehemiah began the project saying, 
Satan, you have no right, no portion, no even remembrance in my life whatsoever. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. You can be dismissed. If you're watching online, we love you. Thank you for being a part of this service. The Lord bless you today. Bless you guys. Bless you, bless you. Thank you.